Welcome to the daily devotional podcast of Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 12. If parents decide to go away on their own for a couple of days, obviously they need to find someone to watch their kids for them overnight. While there may be a wide range of people who are up to the task, it would not be uncommon for parents to look to their own parents, the grandparents, for them to come and do the honors. While of course this is not universally true, parents often turn to their own parents, knowing that they're qualified and up to the job. Jesus here is about to leave his disciples, and he has promised them already that the Holy Spirit is going to come in his place. The disciples won't be left alone here. But also, as he prepares to leave, he prays for his disciples, and Jesus brings them before his Father, asking his Father for help and protection, knowing that the Father is up to the task of taking care of them in Jesus' absence. His prayer is fairly simple. He acknowledges that they belong to God, he asks for protection, he asks for unity. The prayer is relatively short and to the point, praying for clear and simple blessings. It's a reminder of how Jesus taught us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, not with long-winded ramblings, for the Father already knows what we need before we even ask him, Jesus taught. Short, sweet, and to the point, ask for what you need. That's how Jesus taught us to pray, and he models that for us in these verses. The prayer for unity here is interesting. Jesus doesn't pray for influence or for their needs to be met or for a good life even. He prays for unity, that they might be one just as Jesus and the Father are one. Obviously, of all the things he could have mentioned, unity was important enough that he asked for it here, even as he apparently didn't ask for other things that might seem more obvious to us in terms of needs. That the disciples would be one just as the Trinity is one. It was crucial for Jesus to ask that. He's going to pray for this again as the chapter unfolds. Unity of all the things he could have asked for. But the unity of the Trinity is crucial, which is made clear again in this prayer. In accepting Jesus, the disciples have also accepted the Father. They have acknowledged that the Father and the Son are one and the same. In taking Jesus' words to heart, all the things that he taught, they are also taking the Father's words to heart because the Father and the Son are one and the same. The unity of the Father and the Son, which Jesus has so emphasized throughout John's Gospel, will soon add the oneness of the Holy Spirit to the mix, who Jesus has already told us will be the same messenger with the same message just like Jesus has been. In a world full of division based on race, gender, creed, nationality, philosophy, whatever, in a world of division, God is undivided. God is one. 
And Jesus' prayer was the same for his disciples in this divisive world that in the church there would be unity. Such unity would seem strange in the world that we live in, but the disciples of Jesus who would come to him from every tribe and tongue, language, gender, nationality, social class, etc., the mark on the followers of Jesus would be unity, united by the power of the gospel in spite of our differences, united by the testimony of a life that's been changed by Jesus. To consider as you go about your day to day, take a look at your own life and consider where is there division anywhere? Where is there division between you and other people, between you and other believers in your church context maybe? Where do you see division? And in light of Jesus' desire and his obvious heart and his prayer in today's verses, what is something we can do about that division today? Music.